0: Along with psychic medium Stephanie Burke. No science advisor Matt Monies. He's uh, doing something else tonight. But uh, we are here to talk with you about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. Although we won't be here next week. I don't think. You don't think? No. I have to go do something. <laughs> Which oh. I was sharing with you the, uh, the saga of not knowing exactly what was going on with that. Right. And <laughs> I still don't really know what's going on with it. I just know that I probably won't be able to do the show Saturday night.
1: Right. Well, that's okay. So, yeah,
0: yeah better better to just plan ahead now. Yes. Uh, the um, uh, I, I was really concerned about, because I, I was supposed to have to travel, and I still have to travel, just not as far as I thought that I did. Right. But I was very concerned about the original journey. And so, basically, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much I can say and how much I can't say. But you know that TV show that I filmed last year? Right. The one starring my maroon shirt. Yes. So I, um, which I don't think I can wear.
1: I don't think you should do it twice. Yeah,
0: no. I think that would be odd. Right. Uh, even though like my hair is different, I don't know if I'm going to get a haircut before haircut that. First. Do you think so? Yes. For those who haven't seen, my hair is like ridiculously long.
1: You better get a haircut.
0: It's like almost down to my chin all the way around. Get a haircut. So, but um, yeah, if I got a haircut and then I wore that maroon shirt, I'd definitely look the same. You know because I think I gained back the weight that I lost, so I'd probably look exactly the same on camera. People would think I shot it all at once. But the um, they're filming some more, and they film in Toronto. So they wanted, you know, people to go to them last time, you know, obviously, they so they flew us into Toronto. And when they reached out to have me film for season two, I just automatically assumed that I was going back to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they reached out and said, okay, you know, we're not flying people we're gonna have them drive so I immediately thought that that meant that I had to drive nine and a half hours from the south coast to Toronto Canada and I was really worried about what happens when I get to the border <laughs> right like at least with the you know the the, the airports they have there's there's A process involved with Mm it. You know, at the border, am I going to be stuck there in like a two-mile line of them checking people's COVID papers or whatever? Because Canada is like locked down. They don't want people coming across the border unless absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. And so I was very worried about that. But they said, uh, no, no, you're not driving to Canada. I was like, oh, thank God. So, But I still think it's going to be one of those... Leave on Saturday, kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but that's all right. You know, we've got plenty of uh, plenty of other weeks to do the show. And uh, of course, this week we're going to be talking with a friend of mine. Uh, I don't think Stephanie's had the chance to, to meet her yet. So, I have not. This should be fun. We're going to have Amanda Woomer on from Spook Eats. And if you are unfamiliar with Spook Eats, let me tell you, it is. I wish I had come up with the idea because it is perfect. Going out to haunted restaurants and bars. And investigating sometimes, but eating almost every time. Right. I mean, that is the ultimate goal. So we've been talking a lot about how spooky South, spooky South Coast needs to kind of have a Spooky Snack Coast spinoff. Right. So I thought tonight could be very much a Spooky Snack Coast kind of show. It
1: definitely could.
0: But we're also going to have her talk about this new initiative that she's doing. She's uh, having female writers within the paranormal. She's putting together this journal of all of their writing. So we're going to have her give everybody more information about that coming up. Uh, I don't, you know, I hate to start off the show on uh, a a down note, Mm -hmm. but uh, I do have to let the audience know that we did have a past guest who passed away. Uh, yesterday. uh, The news came out two days ago, I think. So it was probably two days ago that it happened. Uh, But she'd been sick for a little while with COVID-19. Angelia Joyner, who years ago, uh, January 2008, was the Stephenville, Texas UFO sighting. And it made the news all over the country, kind of all over the world. Mm -hmm. It was one of the big UFO sightings of, of this century. And Angelia Joyner was the local reporter who covered that case. And from there, she kind of became a UFO investigator, a UFO journalist. So you know, I think a lot of people recognize her name from ufology now, but it was actually kind of that case that really got her, uh, if I remember right, she had an interest in it anyway, but it was you know that covering that case that really kind of uh, got her going. So, uh, but she had been sick for a while. Her husband actually passed away from COVID the same, yeah, the day before she Mm -hmm. passed away. So, um, so very sad, and uh, and our condolences and thoughts go out to her friends and family. And uh, and certainly, you know, if you want to listen to that previous episode, uh, you can get that from the Spooky South Coast podcast feed. So you just have to go back to 2008. Sometimes our um, podcast feed doesn't go back. It probably won't go back that far, so I'll have to look and see if I can find it and maybe re-release it because the feeds only pull, like, the most recent 300 episodes, and so some of our older episodes get lost in the shuffle. But we're working on a plan for Midnight FM at some point. uh, Hopefully sometime this year we'll be able to launch it where we'll be able to have some of those classic shows available for people. Uh, Right now it's, you know, it's kind of... I I didn't really think forth... I didn't think, uh, you know, kind of toward the future... Yeah. When we started doing the show about how to save all the shows. so it was
1: because you didn't think you'd still be here 15 years later.
0: I certainly didn't. I do have I do have DVD ROMs right. of the show uh, up to a certain point. And then at a certain point, I stopped doing that. And I was like, whatever, they're on the internet. We'll be able to find them forever. And then there was that brief time that our podcast server shut down. Right. And you couldn't access any of the episodes. And I was like, God oh, damn, what if we lost them all, but then they came back online, but then, you know, so we're working on kind of building an archive to make sure that we never lose them again, uh, never run the risk of losing them, because some of them were actually pretty good. Right. They were very <laughs> interesting. 620 whatever shows, mm-hmm. maybe like four or five of them are ones that we'd actually want to keep. Right. So... I have a feeling that tonight will certainly be one of those shows as well. And uh, speaking of shows, as we are broadcasting here on WBSM right now, Kindred Spirits is on the Travel Channel uh, with the brand new episode. What's it called? It's called Zombie Boy. I think so. So, But it's about the um, the Oliver Estate in Metalborough, which we've done numerous investigations there. Uh, Christy Parrish, who you've heard very often here on <laughs> Spooky South Coast, uh, she is the person who runs all the paranormal things that go on there. A lot of our friends work there as as uh, volunteers for some of the different paranormal events that they do there. Mm-hmm. And it's a place that, n- not right now, because things are weird and, and strange, but it's a place that, you know, anybody that's listening to us on the radio, although we're not on the radio, because the... Pa- the, the um, Tampa Bay game is on so we we We're on the WBSM stream And on the midnight FM stream but anybody That's in our local area can go there And and they have tours and Different things that they do there and I actually did a live broadcast there of Midnight Society and I think We could do that again for Spooky South Coast You know somewhere down the line I don't think that I've ever gone There and not had something happen And I know you've you know had experiences In there as well
1: I have definitely had experiences. So I've been able to do a blind walkthrough during, um, I want to say the fall of like maybe two or three years ago. And And
0: just kind of explain to people what that is.
1: (laughs) Sorry. Um, I was paying attention to the, the subtitles in the episode too, just to see what it is that was happening. But, um... As a psychic medium, being able to walk through a location that I've never been to before, it means that I don't know where I'm going and I don't know the history of the place that I'm going to. I know nothing about it. So uh, Christy, who we've been friends with for a very long time, said, I need you to come with me to this place, Um, actually because she had a reporter coming from um, the local newspaper. And I did a walkthrough with some other uh, very good friends of ours And just wrote down all of the information that I got while doing this walkthrough. And it was all um, historically accurate to the location, names, uh, events, different things like that. So it was very interesting. And I did come across this, uh, this one particular spirit there that is very territorial. And... I've always connected with him while going there. I've connected with other ones as well, but this one in particular. And I actually have a photo, and I'm I'm sure you saw it when I released it not that long ago, where Christy and I are in the photo. But um, Scott and Chris Andre, who's also a uh, volunteer at the house, were watching the camera and took the photo. They are both behind the camera at the time. And when they clicked the button... Just a simple, you know, phone picture. Uh, My entire body's missing from that photo. You can see my legs, but myself and the picture of the spirit that I make contact with is completely blacked out as if something walked across the camera at that very moment. So... I don't want to say I have issues with this spirit, but he definitely has some issues with women being in his situation in area. So um, I have definitely communicated with him plenty of times there. Um, it's always been active for me. The history is amazing. I love going there. We actually had an event there back in uh, October, and I hope to get back to you know the location very soon. I don't know what they find on this episode tonight, and I'm not sure... Um, What it is that they are trying to connect with, because this is new information to me. However, um, I want people to keep in mind when they are watching this episode that not every single investigator has the exact same experience with the exact same spirits at every single location. Right. Um, So I think it's really important to keep in mind. And I always tell people like, any little environmental thing can change what spirits come through at that time. Well, and,
0: and sometimes and, it might be something they bring in with them.
1: Exactly. It could be something like that. Um, you know, not saying that it definitely is, but I mean, Amy and Adam have traveled the world um, investigating. Um, and I'm sure that they, they were at a different location the week prior to this. So it could be something that they brought with them. Uh, not saying that it is, but um, I think you and I, just because I can use us as an example, We've investigated plenty of times at the same location over and over again, and we've gotten different results every time. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we've gotten the same results. It could depend on the moon phase at the time. It could depend on the weather. It could depend on the time of year. I always use the example of the Mount Washington Hotel. Uh, The princess that owned the hotel lived in the hotel for half the year and the other half in France, and she is more easily accessible to speak to during the time of the year that she lived in the hotel. Um, So keeping that in mind when it comes to these places is super important. So I think, you know, definitely don't judge the Oliver house based on what they find in this episode, but see it for yourself. It's an amazing place to tour. Anyways, they've done so much to try to restore it and bring it back to its former glory I know they spent a lot of time and raised a lot of money to even have indoor plumbing put back in. Uh, they redid the outside of the house. They're, they have a master gardener now that takes care of the grounds, and they're really trying to uh, really write the past um, and write history and make sure that the spirits are well taken care of there. I've I, always found it fascinating.
0: And and, and I, I don't like to throw around the term... You know, it it seems like it comes up more often than it should these days. But, you know, the term paranormal vortex, that, like, it's a place where all kinds of different weird things can happen. But this is definitely one of those places where there's a lot of activity that takes place that probably doesn't have anything to do at all with the history of the location.
1: Right. There's there's different things, um, even in my experience, that happen inside the house and other things that are happening outside of the house at the same time that have nothing to do with each other.
0: The... First time that I went there, you know, I just had a bunch of crazy things. Actually, the first time I ever walked through, uh, you know, just Christy showing me the place, I had an experience.
1: Yes, And then
0: every time after that, uh, there's always been something or other that goes on. The basement being, of course, the, the most active for me. I haven't had a lot of things that happened in, you know, other parts of the house, but that's probably because I spend so much time in the basement.
1: You definitely do, but I feel like you're a basement kind of guy. I am. Like, you know. everywhere we go, you're like, yep, fine, I'll be in the basement, not a big deal.
0: Well, we do a lot of events in warm weather. Right. And it's like going to the place that's going to be the coolest for the night, so.
1: So, definitely the basement for sure in this place. I I don't like spending time in that basement. I just don't like it, but um, it's also hard for me to breathe down there because it's a dirt floor. So, I... Uh, I definitely like the other parts of the house more, but I've had plenty of experiences in the sitting room, the front room. Mm -hmm. So, but I've done a lot of things in that room too. I've done seances. I've done just walkthroughs, investigations. So it's very interesting. I've connected with children in that house. I've connected with uh, different generations of different families that have lived in the home. So.
0: And if people are wondering, you know, like how much the paranormal has helped a place like this. Go back and watch the episode of Paranormal Lockdown. Yes. That was filmed there. And then run that back to back with the Kindred Spirits episode. And just look at how much the place has changed. And that is almost directly related to the paranormal. I know they do other things there. You know, people Very will little have little
2: compared
1: to the paranormal though. Right.
0: It's not nearly as frequent. I mean they'll have like, you know, garden party things and yes. things like that. But those are kinda like Once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And and those are kind of more big events. The paranormal stuff is happening on a nightly basis uh, when they're really going. You know, every weekend they've got something going on. Right.
1: Prior to COVID, for sure. And Christy really is the type of person that pours her heart and soul into anything that she does. That's just who she is. And watching her take over the management of the paranormal aspect of this house and Uh, Just really be involved in the care and the time and the effort that she has put into restoring this home, taking care of the spirits, making them feel comfortable with everything that's gone on. You know, it's definitely not one of those places where, and we've seen it plenty, where somebody buys a home that's haunted or a location or even gets to be in charge of a haunted location and they just pump people in over and over and over again and pocket the money. She doesn't pocket anything. What she does is she gives it right back to the town and the town pours it directly into the home. And I remember walking into that place I think it was right after the paranormal lockdown episode had aired. um, Nick had an event at this house along with a couple other places in the town and there's a porta potty outside. Yep. Like that was the only means of being able to go to the bathroom and it was a really hot day. Uh, so nobody wants to go into a porta potty in the middle of summertime, but they've done so much to make this place just beautiful again. And
0: that was aggravating that what I just saw on the screen. What was it? Uh, They were just sitting at the table, Amy and Adam. Yeah. But they had a candle under, like, the hurricane lamp glass, and it was crooked.
1: Oh, no. Like, how did somebody
0: not notice I was crooked and just straighten it out before they shot? Uh, Or, you know, maybe a ghost tipped it over. Who knows? You never know. But one one of the things that, you know, we talked a lot about some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff when we did the Midnight Society episode because we had people from the town uh, with us. And, you know, there's a lot of drama that happens when you know, historical societies own places. So you can only imagine how much more that can be amplified when the location is owned by the town.
1: Correct. And
0: that's the case with the Oliver Estate. So there they have to deal with politics more than anything else.
1: So much so. And honest to God, they originally purchased this home. The town purchased it. Um, It was falling apart. The town purchased it and they were going to level it. They were just going to get rid of it completely. And a few people fought for them to keep it. And Christy took over trying to raise money to restore it. And they've done so much. It's, it's just amazing.
0: And, uh, you know, if if people are not able to watch it, you know, maybe they don't have cable, maybe they don't have travel channel, I don't know, but uh, it it will be on the, the app. That's what they're doing now with all of their programming, all their paranormal programming. So I signed up for it last week for the free trial. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, I'm probably not going to keep it just because I don't have a lot of time to watch stuff. Right. But there's, um, you know, there. I, I went through it all last week and I was going through how much they have and they do have a lot. There's they a, do. There's a lot of, par- it's not everything. But I'm sure that part of that is that they will just keep adding stuff on as more and more, you know, like the way Netflix brings stuff in. Yes. I would think that they're probably not going to remove stuff like Netflix does. They're not going to cycle through because it's all stuff they own the rights to. Correct. But I think they're going to kind of slowly build. So as I said, when, you know, when it came out. It doesn't have, you know, for example, it doesn't have ghost stalkers. Right. But I would think that there's probably a chance to have that on. And it could be some sort of, you know, rebroadcast deal that needs mm-hmm. to be re signed or whatever and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it does have a lot of the paranormal programming that people like to watch. So if you you know, if you're looking for something that will give you that type of content at four ninety nine a month, you know, that's not a bad deal. Right. I think it's four ninety nine for the basic and then six ninety nine for the ad free. So I actually went through, and I was watching all the old like ghost asylums and seeing like which ones did I get credit on, because uh, none of those are on my IMDb page, because no, they, they that's didn't silly. they didn't put me in at that level which they're supposed to, but they right. Didn't. So, but anyway, that's I might I might hire one of those IMDb people, the people that are really good at it. Yeah. And being like, you know, here's 50 bucks, just fix my IMDb page.
1: I don't even know how those work. People ask me all the time, like, why don't you have one? I'm like, because I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can go and do it yourself, but it's better if the production does it. Right. And some of them do it and some of them did it wrong and so yeah. Know, so it's it's all weird. But uh yeah, it's it's certainly a place that, you know, we'll be back to again and again. You know, once we can go and run events there, we will and yeah. you know, we get the chance to go there all the time anyway, you know, even when there's not an event happening. Uh but it's it's certainly a place worth going and checking out even if you're not into the paranormal and you're just into history because they've done such a fantastic job restoring it. And, you know, whoever brings you through knows so much about the history that you're going to get the real story and you're going to get the, the truth behind, you know, Ben Franklin being there and the truth around the Oliver's being, you know, loyal to the crown and all that stuff. And then the Sprout family and everything that's involved with that house. Uh, There's a lot of layers to it. And when you think about it, you know, I mean, is there anything really special about it?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, not really, you know? Like, why is this house still around when opposed to other houses that are 250 years old aren't around anymore? But then... You know, you get in there and you you realize, wait a minute, I just have the chance to be in a house that's 250 years old.
1: I mean, it has a very cool history attached to it as well.
0: Um, Right, but but not enough that somebody would have saved it as a historical place over the years. It was a regular house for a long time. Yep.
1: Um, I believe, uh, I think at least, that uh, I had the conversation with Christy that descendants of the people that lived in the house would use it as a summer home or would eventually, you know, they lived, I think, in, like, New York and then would come and stay occasionally, but uh, just kind of gave up on it. So it went into disrepair. So I think think it looks pretty snazzy compared to what it did.
0: And certainly, yeah, it looks great on... on TV here.
1: It does. It really does. I mean,
0: let's face it. I mean, I've said this for a long time. The the people that put out Kindred Spirits are some of the best at the visual design of the program. Yes. I mean, it just looks fantastic all the time. I mean, like, look at this. You know, we're just looking at shots right now where... They're, they're cutting away to Amy and Adam as they're having a conversation, you know, each of them having their own shot. But instead, right. of, instead of being a close-up shot on them or having them even censored on the screen, you know, they're kind of at the bottom of the screen while the actual house is the star of the shot. I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting uh, cinematography. And, uh, and, and they, they do a, a great job of making sure that you feel like you're in the place.
1: I actually got to work with the crew that is shooting this episode when I shot uh, season one and season two. And I have to say they're very easy to fall in love with just because they're so passionate about what they do and they're so kind about it too. But they are so incredibly talented. Um, being able to see just the still shots that they would come up with or, um, for example their, um, I think it, gosh, was it season two that I filmed? They were filming me walking into the home and I remember there, I believe it was the director of photography climbed up on top of their box truck and like he backed it up to a tree and then stood inside of the tree and filmed me walking into the house and I remember him celebrating afterward and was like, thank you so much. Like, that was the shot of the season. Like, he was so proud of himself and so excited about it. But I remember thinking, like, the amount of effort that, you know, he put into it to climb up into a tree to make sure that he got the shot that he wanted was just amazing. I watched them on all the episodes that I filmed, you know, move furniture around and make sure that everything looked really, really cool. So, you know, they definitely don't take the easy way out and just walk in and film, and that's that. Um They definitely put so much effort into what they do, and they're really kind and really genuine. All
0: right. Well, I think we have our guest on the line with us tonight. Uh, And and as I mentioned before, if you have never been to the website spookeats.com, it is certainly the place that you want to go to if you are a listener of this show because... Food comes up almost as much as oh, yes. the paranormal does here on this show. And I've gotten to know her a little bit through in- interviewing her a couple of times on uh, my other programs, and, and I found that she is one of the most, to me, one of the most interesting people, uh, certainly one of the most, um, uh, you know, kind of what I would call like the new generation of, of paranormal researchers and writers yep. who are, you know, focused on telling the complete story right it's not just about the evidence it's about everything involved in the in the uh, the experience of going to a place so that's why i thought you know we had to get her on spooky at some point and introduce her to this audience so let's bring her on amanda woomer hello amanda are you with us hello yes i
2: am
0: how are you how's how are things going i'm
2: good how
0: are you uh, doing very well and uh you know uh, on the surface, I wanted to have you on to talk about this new initiative that you have going on. But, you know, we're going to have to talk about some food, too.
2: Of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, were,
0: we were just talking about how uh, we have, uh, we're, we have the, on in the studio the Kindred Spirits episode for tonight where they're at the Oliver House, which is, you know, a stone's throw from here in, in Middleborough, Massachusetts. And all I kept thinking as we're watching this and, and when you called in is, oh, we've got to get Amanda to come and check out. Uh, the the Oliver House, so that we can take her over to uh, to Chard Oak Tavern, and she can have some of the uh, the candied bacon there.
2: Oh my gosh! Oh, see, it's like this pandemic is driving me bananas because I just want to get out and get to new places and stuff. So you had me at candied bacon.
0: Oh, this <laughs> this is it's it's bacon that they make in the back, uh, and it's it's candied, you know, just the same way you would expect candied bacon to be. But they send it out to your table on a homemade, like, wooden clothesline that the owner's father-in-law makes, or, you know, the, one of the owners, it's her father, it's, it's two brothers and their wives that are all part of the ownership of this, and so the, the one of the wives' fathers makes this by hand, and then they send out these five strips, thick strips of candy bacon hanging from the clothesline with a little ramekin of homemade butterscotch. And you dip oh the gosh. candied bacon into the butterscotch. And it. everybody puts the picture on Instagram. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it just goes, you know, you, you can't get one for the table. The first time we took Stephanie there, uh, the, the waitress actually asked if we were sharing. Because, right. you know, we'd ordered like two for the table. And I was like, no, 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 I'm getting my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't share candied bacon with somebody else.
2: God, no. <laughs>
0: I, did, I did share an order with Jeff Belanger when I brought him there. And you know there's 5 pieces of bacon. Right. It's
1: very kind of you. So it, it,
0: we each had two and then that last one is hanging there and Got a we're like over it. Yeah, we're looking at each other and he's like, "Oh, you can have that." And I'm like, "No, I can come here anytime. You can have that." Nah, okay, fine. So, yeah. <laughs> It's definitely something to put on the, on the list to check out. But before we get into food and, and go down that road, because we will go down that road and we'll probably not come back from it, let's talk <laughs> about this new initiative that you have going on where you're looking for you know, some of the female voices that are out there in the paranormal world these days.
2: Yeah, so basically this has kind of been mulling around in my head for about a year now. I did an interview over on Paranormal Buzz Radio last year around this time about women in the paranormal. And it was more so like looking at the history of women in the paranormal with, you know, ladies like Catherine Crow and Eleanor Sidgwick. Um, so more like, you know, the last 100, 200 years. And as I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, like, for two hundred some odd years of history of terminal research, you don't really have a lot of ladies that you know about. You know, you have like those handful of ladies but sometimes they're considered frauds or con artists or they're just crazy. So I was I was just thinking like, you know, ladies aren't really highlighted that much and even in today's day and age, at least the last few years, there's definitely been more of like a grow culture, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. in the paranormal. Um, and I felt like, you know, like the ladies who are in the spotlight, you know, you have Katrina, and you have Amy. Um, but every time you see them, they're always with a man. They're never just like on their own. So I was like, well, why is that? So that's why I kind of wanted to start this um, new journal um, uh, that we're calling it the Feminine Macabre. Kind of like a play on the feminine mystique um, by Betty Friedan. And um, basically, I'm sending out a call to women in the strange and unusual world that includes like the paranormal with hauntings and ghost stories, but also dark history, um, cryptozoology, um, true crime. the occult studies, witchcraft, tarot. If, you, if it's weird, we want it. Um, and I really just want to kind of give a platform to ladies in the paranormal that feel like they don't really have a platform, they don't really have a voice, they're having a hard time being acknowledged in the community and in the field, and kind of give them uh, exposure. Um, so we put out a call for submissions just a couple days ago. Um, we're already getting... Uh, more than what I expected to get total. Um, so it's been awesome. Um, so our submissions for the first volume um, are running through February 15th. Um, so it's a little over a month away still. And we want to release it, um, to be cliche, on International Women's Day, which is um, Monday, March 8th. Um, so that will be the first um, volume that we're releasing. And I'm hoping to make it a biannual Publication So twice a year, we want to try to release something that kind of allows women to share their research, their findings, their investigations that they've done throughout the year and kind of share their theories, their ideas, um, different things like that. So I'm really, really excited about it. The feedback and the results have already been like really impressive and kind of overwhelming because um, I do everything by myself. Um, so to have to go through all the submissions and read them and decide which ones are going in and which ones I'll pass on is a little overwhelming, but it's a good problem to have. Um, so anyone who's listening that, um, you know, is either a paranormal researcher or historian or investigator, podcaster, uh, tarot user, you know, um, we're open to anyone. You don't have to be established, quote unquote, you don't have to be published already, um, you know, send us something. Send us anything, and you know, it could potentially be published.
0: And and you know, I think that part of the issue is that you know, even the women writers that have been around, it's it's very few that have kind of cracked through to be considered. Um, what's 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 a good way to put this? You know, kind of Legit? the. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, you know, women have kind of been relegated to writing about, like, the new agey stuff. And, you yeah. know, you have a few. You've got, you know, uh, Rosemary Allen Guiley. You've got Marie mm-hmm. D. Jones. You've got a few that have kind of broken through and been able to write, you know, the the headier stuff. But for the most part, you know, it's like, that's the stuff that the men write about. The women, you can write about, you know, what it's like to go out and, you know, howl at the moon or whatever it is that they think that new-age people do. <laughs> like, it, it just seems to be that there's always been a little bit of... Uh, and I, I don't know if it's sexism in, in the publishing world about it or if it's just what women have pitched as books to write, but certainly it comes across as being, you know, that the, the scientific aspect of it is left to the men.
2: Yeah, and, and again, like, you kind of like hit it on the head where it's like the scientific aspect of things and the actual, like, nitty or the, you know, like the, the gruff uh, investigation aspect of things has been left to the men while like the hippie, dippy, freaky, deeky, spiritualistic stuff is left to the women. And, uh, you know, I am noticing, at least in the last few years, a major shift in, in that where I feel like, you know, more paranormal investigators are not coming out as women. That's the wrong terminology. But women are kind of, you know, taking on the title of being a paranormal investigator, whether they have, you know, a male counterpart or not. Whereas I feel like leading up until now, You know, you've had women in the paranormal. There's no doubt about that. You know, I go to investigations or I host public ghost hunts at certain locations. And nine times out of ten, women outnumber the men. Um, So it's something that I've noticed that, like, women make up, if not the majority, at least a decent chunk of the paranormal field. But for whatever reason, they're not highlighted, whether it's on TV or in books or or you know considered experts you know either at paracons or on shows things like that and they're just as informed just as educated just as experienced um but for whatever reason um they're kind of i don't want to say ignored but kind of if they there's a choice between a a man or a woman nine times out of ten it feels like the man will get the part or will get the exposure as opposed to the woman and it could be that bro culture that you know is still prevalent in some areas where you know it's more entertaining to have a group of macho guys stomping through an abandoned building trying to conquer the demons in there and shouting and being aggressive that's far more entertaining to watch than maybe you know a lady going in and maybe you know taking a softer approach or being more empathetic and and delicate in in the way that they might research or investigate. So, I mean, that could be another reason, too. You um, know, not to say, you know, it's black and white. You know, I, there's so many different styles of investigating and researching. Um, sure. And it's a yeah. spectrum. Um, but that's just something that, like, I've, I've noticed in recent years. And I just wanted to try to do something to help the women in the field just get their voices out there and and get their opinions noticed or their theories noticed. And again, like I said already, it's been a a great response. Um, So I'm looking forward. I mean, we still have over a month left of submissions for the first volume. So I can't wait. I, I can't wait to see what people come up with.
0: And I know one of the things that comes up a lot is people complain that there's not enough female representation in paranormal television and that people look at television as a representation of what the paranormal community is like. And part of that is you've got to think so if you look at the numbers and uh, I'm just going to throw these out off the top of my head, but the most recent Gallup poll that focused on paranormal beliefs, I think it was something like, you know, sixty percent of people believed in the paranormal, which means forty percent didn't. Which means that you've gotta assume, you know, extrapolate that over. Sixty percent of the people are watching these shows because they believe in the paranormal, but forty percent are watching it that don't believe in it. And I think part of that is if you're going to watch a show where you don't believe in what's going on and you kind of want to make fun of the people that are doing it and think they're stupid for doing it or whatever, you know, you feel worse about saying it's just a natural inclination. You feel worse about a woman and, and, you know, picking on a woman for doing it as you do, you know, a bunch of spiky-haired, muscle-shirted guys. True. And it goes,
2: you know, it's both within, I feel like it's both within the paranormal community and without you know, like you said, like if people are watching it and they're going to make fun of people, you know, talking to thin air or thinking that they're seeing a ghost or something, you're more likely and more willing to kind of make fun of a guy, whereas you're, you want to almost try to protect um, a woman. Or it feels like it feels weird to laugh or make fun of a woman. Same thing with in the paranormal I've noticed is that when I'm researching or investigating, especially with men, they feel the need or they've voiced a concern to be like, well, they have to protect me or look out for me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm more afraid of what you could potentially do to me than what anything I would meet in the dark up here, spirit-wise, could do to me. Um, you know, and you know, I, I you know, would go on investigations and, and do these ghost hunts and these events and stuff while I was pregnant, and I would be scolded by men in the field of being like, you know, oh, it's not safe. You have to protect yourself, you know, and all that. And, you know, I do think that there's some, you know, there's some truth behind that and stuff, but I knew that it was definitely that macho masculine spirit coming out where there's that need to protect the, you know, the, the, the weak scared lady. And that's not the case. You know, it's not the case with me and it's not the case with most women in the paranormal. Well, um, they're not there to, you know, pee their pants and faint into your
0: arms. I, I'm, I'm going to ask this question to, to my co-host Stephanie Burke. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we've been working together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like I've treated you that way that I have? And, you know, be honest if it, because it's not going to hurt our friendship any, but no, do you, do you feel like maybe I didn't really consider you an equal
1: I think there was only this one time that you didn't let me ride a train that went two miles an hour when I was eight months pregnant. The,
0: when did I do that? Was that I Edithville. kept you off the train at Eaterville?
1: Yeah. You told me that I wasn't allowed to ride the train because you were afraid I was going to go into labor in the middle of an event. You were very pregnant. I was very pregnant, but it went two miles an hour. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, I think you've always treated me as an equal um when it comes to investigation and i think we've both at different times looked to each other for support or different answers um worked as a team rather than you know i know more than you do or vice versa so
0: but not to really bring up you know old wounds uh-huh but you worked with some investigators before you worked with me where you were Not treated as an equal.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, And obviously having the personality that I do, I fight to definitely make sure that my voice is heard or that, you know, I at least have a fair fighting chance. But I think as a female in general, outside of the paranormal, that happens anyways. I used to have, I think my my biggest struggle growing up or, or even like a workplace or it didn't matter was I have a brain in my head. I'm not just a face. So don't treat me that way and have an intellectual conversation with me or, you know, get to know me, get to understand who I am and where I come from. Um, so I think that's an issue all around uh, with some people, but not everybody. You know, there's relationships out there that are like that. There are friendships out there. There's just, you know, colleagues act that way. Even, you know, walking down the street, somebody can treat you that way. Um, but I think. Vice versa, there's a lot of females out there nowadays that treat men like they're lesser beings too. So,
0: That's true. No, as a man, I can vouch for that.
1: Yeah. I think it's like the the feminism movement has become so much more in the last, like, we'll say decade. And um, the extreme part of that, definitely, for sure. I think there's there's fighting for yourself and fighting for your voice and you know being an equal and then there's definitely extreme on both sides of everything that we could possibly talk about. So, and and I know Amanda,
0: I come from you know I hate to say this now, but I'm like an old man of the paranormal, uh, and so I kind of am more of the the previous generation. You're you're very heavily involved with you know what what's kind of the social media generation of this, the people that are out there and are you know utilizing social social media as a way to network with each other and work together on things and to support each other on things. I see you all the time, you know, supporting uh, various people, men and women, with things that they're working on. Uh, so do you feel like that generation, that next wave of what is the paranormal, are they working out a lot of these issues that, you know, the, those that come before them have? Are we going to see less misogyny and, and less sexism in the paranormal?
2: You know, I... Uh my my hopeful, optimistic nature says yes. Um, I think because uh, you know women are kind of starting to embrace the idea of being investigators and being able to call themselves investigators, and you know with this use of social media, you know it's a double-edged sword. Of course, you know I think with social media you have the ability to connect with people.
0: No, I think you dropped out a little before, bit. There you go.
2: Oh, sorry um you know you you cross paths with people from all around the world that you might never have you know connected with before you know i've connected with people who are more into cryptids aspect of things um or aliens and like that's not my forte that's not my specialty but i'm learning from them and vice versa they're not necessarily into ghosts and hauntings but because they've connected with me um they're learning these things too so i think in a way you know it is great to uh bond people together at the same time i think there is also that competition that who has the most likes who has the most follows you know who looks the best of the best um So, you know, I think it can create an unnecessary competition between men and women, um, but I'm hopeful that it will continue to bridge the gaps between people and the different aspects of the paranormal field um, to the point where, you know, I think to reach out to one another, to learn, um, to always be able to ask questions of each other and not be made to feel lesser or foolish for asking questions Um, you know I think in a way it almost makes experts of everyone which is not like you you always hear the expression like you know an armchair expert or an armchair researcher which is a terrible thing Um, but you also have people who do so much research and so much work that without social media they wouldn't have that platform So, you know, you're able to really connect with people and learn from them. And everyone's kind of on an even playing field. Um, Everyone's an expert, quote-unquote, in their own field, even if that field is just a specific building or a specific cryptid or a specific piece of history. Um, So I'm very hopeful with social media and kind of leveling the playing field between men and women. And I think in the next, you know... 10, 15 years, with even the next generation coming up,
0: that it won't be an issue at all. Yeah, see, I, I made the mistake of thinking that because it's not the people that I came into this with that were influenced by what they were seeing on television, that it was a better thing because, you know, they're more networked on social media. And so I completely didn't even think about the idea of it being a competition for likes and followers, which now that you mention that, yeah, I have seen that be you know, a pretty serious issue and a, a pretty, it's probably just as divisive for people as, you know, this person got it on TV and I didn't.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. I mean, I've, I've noticed it. like where like I've gotten hate for like a certain number of followers and, uh, and it's just like, uh, what do you say to it? You're like, I'm sorry, but these people are, you know, have more followers than I do, which is because you have more followers doesn't mean they're actually involved followers. You know, it's. I always tell people like, you never take anything personally. You could have the smallest following, quote unquote, on on social media, but if they're active and avid fans and followers and, and actually participating in your work, then that's so much more meaningful than to have tens of thousands of followers that don't interact with you at all and don't bounce ideas off of you and you don't learn from each other and grow. So it's a shame. I catch myself doing it though, 100%. You know, you look at people who started around the same time as you and you see that they have, you know, triple the number of followers as you and you wonder, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, I slip I into it too, admittedly. Um, and it's one of those things where I think we have to kind of like check ourselves. You know, it's, you know, social media can be a great thing, but it can also be kind of a curse. Um, so You have to really take, take it with a grain of salt for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's one question that I've had somebody literally ask me, like, what's the best way for me to, you know, purchase more followers for myself on social media? <laughs> do I purchase them. Right. And, and I was like, you know, the people, if you're trying to get the, whoever it is that you're trying to get the attention of, they care more about the content than they care about the number of people that are following that content. So just create good content if you want to be a content creator. You know, don't, don't get bogged down in, you know, how many people are seeing it because, hey, there's people that have, you know, 52 Instagram followers or 10 followers on TikTok that have something that goes viral. And then all of a sudden everybody's checking it out what they do. But it, it, you do this by building up a resume of good work, not by getting the attention of everybody, you know, coming out of the gate. Yeah.
2: It's got to be quality
0: and not quantity. Mm-hmm. So just um, so that we make sure we get all the information out here before the first. By the way, I don't think I told you we'll take a break coming up in five minutes for the network news, and then we'll come back after that and talk some more. Uh, but okay. the, in the final few moments here, so you're looking for women that want to write about, you know, anything associated with this, ghosts, folklore, the occult, dark history, investigations, research, women in the field, anything like that. Um, there are some requirements, though, for, you know, some guidelines for the submissions.
2: Yes, Um, so basically all the information is on my website. If people go to spookeats.com, it's the very first um, post that's right there on the homepage. Um, But basically a quick rundown of the guidelines. um, Basically it should be approximately a thousand words minimum. It can be a little less if you have to. Um, No more than 10,000 words. Um, Anything to do with the paranormal. I know it's a very broad topic. Um, You have to identify as female. Um, I, do, I did have one woman, or I'm um, sorry, one individual who um, uh, considers themselves as non binary ask if they could be a part of it. Um, and I did say yes. So if you identify as non binary, you're absolutely more than welcome to also um, submit something. Um, all submissions should be sent to spookeats at gmail.com. Um, and they're due February 15th. Um, Also, if you could include a headshot and a bio of no more than 200 words. Um, But other than that, go crazy, go wild. Again, um, if you want to actually read what the submission guidelines are, if you just go to spookeats.com, it's right there. Um, Yeah, and I can't wait to see what people come up with.
0: And uh, I can tell you for people that are like, oh, a thousand words. Oh, I don't know if I can come up with a thousand words. I've read some of the Facebook posts that a lot of you out there put out. And you've written a thousand words in your Facebook post. So just, you know, take one of those and just clean up the, the spelling and the grammar a little bit and you'll be fine. Uh, but that, that is, you know, it's really not, it's like your average, like newspaper article is about 800 to 850 words. So think about it that way. You know, you're just writing a little bit more. Uh, Than than what you would read in a newspaper article But I did see the maximum was 10,000 words I'm like that's like a third of a book So you know No one has done that yet I don't think a lot of people should be writing that long (laughs) Yeah But uh, certainly, yeah, and spookeats at gmail.com is the email address, and spookeats.com is the website to find out and to be able to check all of these out. So, I I mean, I think a lot of the people in this audience will want to submit things. I was talking to somebody earlier, and I know she's going to send something over. So I think, uh, you know, you're going to get some really great submissions, not only for, you know, this first one, but for putting this out biannually going forward.
2: Man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited when you asked me to
0: come on tonight. I was like, oh, perfect timing. Yeah, we we do whatever we can to spread the word. And I'll mention it on Midnight Society, too, to make sure that we get it out there as, as much as we can. Uh, we are coming up on the news break. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk to Amanda about what Spook Eats is all about. I think a lot of you out there are going to find this to be a very, very cool thing and uh, certainly something that you're going to want to check out for yourself. We'll talk about some of the books that she's written, the experiences that she's had. But of course, the important thing is we'll talk about snacks. The foods that you need to bring on an investigation, we talked about this a little bit on Midnight Society, but I, now that I've got Stephanie involved in the conversation, she is like my my snack partner. Yes. So she's the one who either determines, you know, brings the snacks of what goes on or tells me what to get. Uh, you know, we do a pretty good job of... Uh, of it's of, a
1: tag team effort. Yeah.
0: So uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of fun talking about that. So for everybody out there, don't go away. We'll be taking a break for the news. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll also take your phone calls, 508-996-0500. Back with more Spooky South Coast and just a few here on WBSM.
2: Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts strange phenomena and much more download the paranormal radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment the paranormal radio app free in google play and the ios app store
0: with Amanda Woomer of spook Eats and uh, again, if you've never been to the website spookeats.com, I highly recommend going there And uh, you can I was shoving tacos in my mouth during the uh, during the news break. See that's part of you know the charm about doing this show is we want to eat dinner before we start doing the show, do it? I didn't press the button You didn't No, so we want to eat dinner before we start doing the show And then by the time the show is over, we're like, oh, it's time to get a midnight snack So Taco Bell is a big part of our spooky South Coast life I don't know if it would be part of our investigation life, though You've, you've gotten Taco Bell before an investigation, right?
1: Oh, you know what? I don't know if I can confirm nor deny that I must have at some point. I mean, I would imagine that I would have eaten Taco Bell before an investigation at some time in my life. But usually it's like pizza or McDonald's or...
0: Did, was it Taco Bell that you had before Ford Adams or was that
1: Papageno's? No, we had Papageno's. Okay. Because I had to go pick it up.
0: Oh, right. No, that's... We, we had pizza for everybody.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I had Taco Bell or not.
0: Well... I think I, I would. Know. I would know if you had Taco Bell or not. No, girls don't get gassed, Tim. No, uh, they but don't. but that is you know one of the the big questions <laughs> is you know what to eat on an investigation. Our guest Amanda Wilmer, she actually gets to eat as part of her investigations, because she gets to go to all these really cool uh, you know haunted bars, haunted restaurants, and and uh, give everybody an idea, Amanda, of how you came up with the idea for Spook Eats.
2: Oh gosh, um, so. Basically, I've always been interested in the paranormal. Um, I had an experience when I was a little girl, um, like so many investigators, I think. Um, And so I had like that innocent curiosity over the years where I would, you know, go on little ghost hunts and stuff and investigate. Um, But then in um, 2015, my younger brother passed away. And that was kind of the turning point in my paranormal journey where I decided that I really wanted to do something in the paranormal that would make it readily accessible to your average everyday person. Um, Basically, I, in my grief, I turned to the paranormal to try to find answers about life after death, and while I was doing that, I figured, you know, obviously I'm not the only person that's ever lost a loved one, and then wondered, you know, what comes next. But I found that so many haunted locations are very difficult to get into, very difficult to access, very expensive. Um, so your average everyday person generally isn't able to, to get into them. So that's when I kind of turned to the haunted restaurants the bars and the hotels and the haunted hospitality where these locations, they're already open to the general public, and they want you to come and visit them. And, you know, nine times out of ten, they have great history great food. They've got heat and electricity and plumbing, so it's a far more enjoyable experience um, than some of these places that, you know, you might see on TV or the infamous places that you hear about. Um, so that was kind of why I wanted to start Spooky, was to really kind of create kind of a roadmap or, a you know, a guide to places that your average everyday person could visit um, and for the price of a beer or an appetizer or an overnight stay, you could potentially have a paranormal experience.
0: There's probably enough, you know, places just here in New England where we are that we could keep you busy forever, but I know, you know, you focus heavily on the, the western New York area where you live. Uh, but you do get the chance to come out this way. You've you've been to Salem and you've been to some other places out here. So, you know you understand that New England has the best ghosts and the best food. Of course. <laughs> there's there's actually there's um there's a restaurant in Rhode Island that we wrote about on one of the the radio stations here where I work, Fun 107. That is a um it's a pizza place. Uh, you know not like a. You know, not like you go in there and you go to the counter and you order your pizza. It's a restaurant that's kind of known for its pizza, though. And uh, and they have ghosts, and they've started doing stuff with that. We have, you know, some of the old haunted taverns around here. Uh, we have, you uh, even some of our bars. Uh, you know, Stephanie's been in some of those. Not that she has a, a problem, but she used to no. work in them. Uh, you know, there's there's so many there's so many Places that have the potential for hauntings that, uh, it, you know, it, it seems like it's just a natural fit that ghosts go and, and are drawn to or, or at least will continue to manifest in places where people go out and, and have fun and they go out and they spend time with loved ones and spend good energy at some of these places.
2: Oh, absolutely. I was I doing an interview with uh, some show. I can't remember what it was. But I, I was basically advocating for the idea that, you know, of course these locations would be haunted and just as haunted as the kind of doom and gloom places you hear about. You know, you always hear about the jails or the asylums or the orphanages or the hospitals. And of course those places are haunted. There's no doubt about that. There's no arguing with that. But the restaurants and the bars and the taverns and the pubs, these are places that people loved being. They had a good time. And in some cases, you know, there's a a restaurant in my hometown here in Buffalo that was the last place that a bunch of soldiers kind of wined and dined before they went off to battle in the War of 1812. And a lot of people think that their spirits returned to the last place that they had a good time. Um, So instead of kind of haunting, you know, the place where they died, um, they returned to a happier moment in, you know, their lifetime, um, so I'm always an advocate of these places being haunting or haunted. You know, you have like that negative energy in those hotels, not hotels, um, hospitals and orphanages. You know, that is you know very potent. But you know, positive energy can be just as strong and far more enjoyable to experience. So again, if you have a choice between going to you know an abandoned building with no heat and electricity or plumbing, or you know, uh, a, a pub that has, you know, 200 years of history, 300 years of history, and it's got a bathroom and food, um, you know, and you could potentially experience just as potent a haunting. Um, and It could be an actually more enjoyable haunting and a more enjoyable experience altogether.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of any time I can combine, you know, eating and, and, and investigating. And I, I think I might have told you this before, but one of my favorite places... Uh, is up in Winchenden, Massachusetts. The Historical Society there owns two historic mansions right across the street from each other. And one of them recently, you know, they they redid part of it to turn it into an ice cream shop, and we get to have ice cream before we investigate. That's awesome. I mean... That's, and then you know ice cream tends to pop up a lot with stephanie and i we we yes. we, we went and filmed i I filmed that show with Chris Jericho, yes, and uh, we had ice cream
1: we did like
0: <laughs> like literally right next door to the place where he filmed, uh yeah, so that was I mean here it is like the one of the best days of my life, like. I just got to meet one of my favorite people in the world, Chris Jericho, and, mm-hmm. you know, film a TV show with him. And uh, then we go over and we have ice cream, and I'm like, uh, this is going to be a letdown. And then it turns out to be some of the best damn ice cream I ever had in my life, too. It was life, actually too.
1: really good.
0: So, I, I mean, not every place can provide ice cream, but <laughs> when they can, You're all You're ice
2: cream is far safer, I feel, than Taco Bell. Taco Bell is a gamble.
1: <laughs> it well, is.
2: Yeah. Ice cream is definitely safer.
1: And we, Unless you're lactose intolerant.
0: That's true, too. We we do a lot of at our events because we provide, you know, food as part of our event package. You know, we have everybody come at, like, 6 o'clock at night. They all get to have dinner. Then we give them, like, a little presentation, and then we do the investigation. And our dinner, we used to put on these really fancy meals. Uh, we The first ever uh, Legend Trips event, you know, we told Jeff, like, you go and handle, like, entertaining the people. Matt Koss and I are going to feed everybody because at the time we worked in a restaurant. Yes. And so the first one we put on, we served, uh, well, I know the one at the Water Street Cafe, they served food for that, right? The
1: very first one that I remember was Lizzie Borden when you did the whole, like, three-course meal we, thing. Yeah,
0: we did, like, roast pork with apple stuffing. and. Yeah. And then, we, you know, it was great. We were able to feed everybody. Then we realized, oh, somebody's got to pack up all, this, all these dishes. And, <laughs> and then the second one we did, I was working in a, in a restaurant at the time, so we got to use that restaurant. We served everybody a full, you know, turkey dinner, stuffing, mashed potatoes, squash, all that stuff. And we realized that not only is it a real pain to have to clean all that stuff up afterwards, yep. and it keeps us from being part of the event while we're doing so, it was really weighing everybody down. When they were out investigating, you know? So we switched to pizza because everybody likes it. It's easy to clean up. Even food allergies, you can kind of work your way around it for the most part. But then the problem with that is then everybody's stomach is making all kinds of noises all night long.
1: (laughs) Yep. That's so true. You can't really win either way.
0: No, I, I had to actually work into my safety lecture at the beginning of the event as I'm telling them, you know, don't point the flashlight up because you'll blind somebody, point it at the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, telling them, like, you know, always say flash, all the stuff that you go through when you're giving everybody the safety spiel. I also had to add in, and by the way, we all just ate pizza. So when you start to feel your stomach building up, like, don't hold it in because that only makes it worse. Go find a quiet corner and just let it fly, you know? Yes. <laughs> And, and and so far, you know, everybody laughs at it, but then you always see that person just disappear by themselves for a couple seconds, and then they come back, and you're like, okay, I know what you were doing. So <laughs> thank you for leaving the room. Uh, but,
1: <laughs> so awkward.
0: It is, it is hard, though, because you know you're going to be in a situation where you're sitting there in the dark, trying to record phantom sounds and everybody's going to be hyper aware of every single sound that's going to happen. So, you you know, you have to take that into account before you sit and eat your dinner, before you investigate. Oh, it's so
2: true. Like, my first public hunt that I, I hosted, we did pizza beforehand, too. And in my head, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never doing this again. For whatever reason, everyone had, like, greasy fingers afterwards. So they're dropping their flashlights and dropping their equipment. And I was like, what is going on? Then, like, we're trying to, you know, have, like, an EVP session. We're asking questions. Everyone's being quiet. And you just hear these stomach gurgles. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is a nightmare. i am never got a look one of these ever again. So uh, luckily I've gotten over that now, but it's just, oh gosh, it's so true. As you're talking about this. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm like having like PTSD right now, remembering uh, the stomach gurgles and the coughs and the clearing of the throat. And you're just like, how is this possible? Like you're trying to do this recording and it's just not working. Yeah,
0: I, I always try to bring along some things. To help out with that you know the dollar store is my best friend when I'm planning an event because i'll have cough drops you know we'll we'll have uh like a hard candy if somebody needs that uh, and i always buy stephanie laughed when she first saw it in the bag but i always buy anti-gas
1: you, you know definitely oh. do. it's it's That's worth getting so you know
0: 12 pills for a dollar because you know 12 people might come up and be like hey you know what i'll take one of those
1: yeah it's so gross
0: you know and, and, and no shame in it if you need it I'd rather that you took it and, and felt better about yourself during the investigation than you know had to be worried about that and, and caused yourself more anxiety uh, now I, I want to talk to you about some of the places that you've gone and some of the the, the meals that you've got to have but I, I can never hear enough about the death seat burger so tell tell us about that yes so it is still
2: my favorite favorite place I've ever been um, it is Uh, The Dusty Burger is at the Old Canal Inn in Nutley, New Jersey. Um, That's about 40 minutes south of Manhattan. Um, And basically, the story behind this fabulous dish is um, that there is a bar stool at the Old Canal Inn that is supposedly cursed. Um, So, if you supposedly, if you sit in this chair, you will die of a heart attack while sitting in it. Um, there are actually four confirmed deaths um, surrounding this chair um, by heart attack. Um, and instead of trying to, like, hide the fact that this has happened, um, the owners have actually totally, you know, they have cashed in on it, which I I dead up. I love it. Um, the bar stool is still there. It is um, chained off now, so you can't sit in it. Um, But they have gone and they've created the Death Seat Burger. So basically, this monstrosity is a burger that has mashed potatoes, jalapenos, and cheddar cheese on top. The whole thing is beer-battered and (sighs) deep-fried. It is ridiculous, um, and I always joke saying that if you don't die of a heart attack from sitting in the Death Seat, you will likely die of a heart attack by eating the Death Seat Burger.
0: I, I just showed Stephanie the photo of it.
1: <laughs> it looks rough.
0: It, it really is. Uh, and, and I mean, as, as bad as it looks and I'm I, I can I can kind of feel it in my mouth and in my stomach as I'm looking at the photo. but I still want to try it.
2: It's and let me tell you like I am not like a crazy combination type of eater. Like I'm that neurotic person that like my meat is on one side of the plate. My potatoes are on another, and my vegetables are on the other, and, like, they do not mix. So I was, like, hard-pressed to try this because I'm like, mashed potatoes on a burger? That's disgusting. But I I split the burger with my mother, and it was amazing. Like, I was I was very hard-pressed to be impressed with it, and I absolutely loved it. I ate my whole portion of it. I don't know if I would have been able to eat the whole thing. Um, but it was take the leap of faith and try it. It's so good. And the fact that they created this burger based off of their kind of ghost story, haunting, cursed history, I just think it's the coolest thing because you usually find cocktails that are inspired by the ghost stories. You don't usually find an entree. So I, I, for, for the pun, I'll say I, I eat that up. I love it. Well,
0: and, and when you go and you go to these places they you know, when they do have an item that has the story and the history associated with it, you, you can't not get that, you know? Like, you, you, if you go to a place and it's like their ghost is, you know, the ghost of John Doe and you get there and they're like, we have the John Doe burger. Like, yes, of course I'm having that.
2: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> but, you know, then the, the downside of it, too, is if you're traveling to some of these places, you got to think about, oh, the ride home. Now, what, what is probably, you know, if you said that that's, you know, one of your favorite places to go, what would you say is one of your least favorite?
2: Oh, gosh. Uh, well, oh, gosh. I hate, uh, okay. Um, for me, I would say the most disappointing place. I've had one place, one location I went to that I didn't enjoy, but it was because of the people, not the food. There was nothing against the food. It was absolutely great. Um, The people there were just very much against the whole paranormal aspect of things. Um, And for me, that was disappointing. Um, It's in my hometown. Um, I'll name it. They're not listening. Um, It's Hotel Henry um, in Buffalo, New York. And it is inside the former Buffalo State Asylum. Um, So it has that very dark history, it's a former insane asylum, and um, they have repurposed it into a gorgeous hotel and um, kind of upscale restaurant. And when I uh, reached out to them before visiting, um, you know, I kind of did my usual spiel, Uh, you know, I like to visit haunted restaurants, you know, are there any special dishes that you would recommend, any bits of history? all that, and I just kind of got, I don't want to say they scolded me, but I definitely got a a lecture on how they do not, um, you know, want anything paranormal. They don't like to acknowledge anything paranormal. Paranormal investigators are not broken, Um, and how the paranormal community adds to the stigma against mental illness. And at first I was so offended. I was like, oh my gosh, like all I asked was for a food recommendation, like calm down. But then I actually started thinking about it and and their feeling on the matter of how we add to the stigma of mental illness. And, And my initial reaction was, no, we don't. Paranormal investigators and especially psychic mediums, you know, they're so empathetic and so in tune with people's emotions and thoughts and feelings that I, I feel like they're some of the most accepting people. You know, we're not adding to the stigma of mental illness, if anything. It, it's, you know, trying to help. Um, but then I, I started really thinking about it, and I thought, you know, if you go to investigate a former insane asylum. You have those images in your mind of you know, the crazy person in the straitjacket sitting in the corner rocking back and forth or, you know, there are some asylums that have haunted houses or paracons and it kind of does play into the stereotypes when, you know, historically speaking, a lot of people who were in asylums, you know, they weren't crazy. You know, they, you know, had epilepsy or they were outspoken women or a lot of times they were orphans. You know, so for me, that was one of those places where, It had this huge buildup. I was so excited to go, you know, and to be met with kind of animosity and have the food not be, you know, as good as the price tag made it seem like it should have been. Overall, that was probably my most disappointing location. Um, You know, and again, I, I think it was more things for how they're handling they're haunting as opposed to the food aspect of things. Um, so for that, I, I I will be that person and, and actually name a location. Um, and it's, it's disappointing because it's in my hometown and it's this gorgeous building and a huge piece of our local history. Um, and they're, you know, just kind of sweeping their ghost stories under the rug and kind of hiding it away. And the thought is, is you know, spirits or, you know, People that you are know, up there, you know, thinking of trying to find ways to communicate with us and share their stories and they're being silenced by, you know, the owners of the building. It's heartbreaking if I let myself think about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you're right to have that immediate re- reaction to what are you, you know, what are you thinking to not take advantage of this this opportunity? But we don't always think about some of the, you know, the ramifications of what it is that we do. And certainly some of these places that are, uh, especially restaurants that have a reputation of being haunted, I could understand why some of them don't want to play up on that. You know, I went to, uh, actually, Stephanie, you were with me, right? When we went to uh, Turner Seafood?
2: Yes. Oh, Salem. yes that, that was the other one I was going to mention.
0: And, it, you know, great food, mm-hmm. fantastic, yeah. fantastic food. But when we started trying to talk to them about the ghosts, it was like, like they were ready to throw us out. And then we asked if we could go upstairs because nobody was around, you know, I kind of did that thing that I do where I'm like, (laughs) hey, listen, you know, we're going to go, I have a radio show and we'll go back. We'll talk about it and we'll, we'll get you some more business, free, free mentions on the air. And, you know, and I tried all of that and they were like, you know, you're not, you're not going upstairs. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Like we were just totally shut down, which was a shame.
2: That's so funny that you mentioned because that was Turner's Seafood was the other one that I was going to mention. But I was like, no, I'm not going to mention that because you guys are out that way and people will actually know it. So I'll name one by me that no one will know of.
0: No, I mean, and so Turner's is supposedly built on the land that was what Bridget Bishop's land, right? Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: Bridget yeah.
0: And And so, you know, you would think like I would get every paranormal investigator to come in here and drop at least 25 bucks on a meal if I would just play that aspect up, but they they don't.
1: Not only that, if you look at the history of the actual building that Turner's is in, it's phenomenal. Right. Besides the apple orchard, so...
0: And even the apple orchard story isn't necessarily proven. Right. But, yeah, I mean, but did you at least have a good meal when you went there?
2: Oh, yeah. I always say, like, people have to go there. You have to get the lobster bisque because you're in Salem when the ocean is literally right there. So you have to get a lobster bisque. And then they have a cocktail there called Bridget's, I think it's called just Bridget's Orchard. Um, And I always describe it as a big kid's apple cider. Um, So I loved it. Um, But again, it was just like how they kind of work with their ghost story or, or don't work with their ghost story was one of those disappointing aspects. Um, so it's very, it makes me in a way feel better that you guys kind of experienced the same thing that I did and it wasn't just kind of a fluke, but in a way it also makes me feel bad that that's how they run things and it wasn't just a fluke. So, right.
0: We, we were, um, we were there at a time too, when there was a lot of paranormal people that we were there at a time of a convention or, you know, a gathering paranormal gathering. Um, yeah, I can't
1: remember what now, but I, yes.
0: I, I think it was. Because Andy was with us Right So I think it was a Salem con
1: It might have been Because I feel like it was There was four people
0: Yeah we had four There was four people Eating right. with us Yeah Who else was with I don't us? know I don't That's remember. why I'm
1: like I don't, I I don't feel, know I
0: feel terrible
1: It's fine It was a long time ago
0: Yeah I, I'd <laughs> have to think of like Who would actually have Gone out to eat with us At something like that I know
1: that. we walked there
0: Yeah And it had to have been People that we like
1: well, Or yeah. else we, we
0: wouldn't have Gone out to eat with them so
1: I know, I'll have to think about that. That limits the I list have, very I much. People guess, that I like. Now I don't want to put it out there.
0: Um, but I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, uh, you're, you're basically you know turning away mm-hmm. clientele. Right. And 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 I've seen it happen in a lot of these places around here. By the way, if you thought if you think seafood is good in Salem, you got to come to our neck of the woods. Oh yes. Way better. Yes. Uh, I was
2: going to say, seafood is my favorite food on the planet, so... You need to come to the South Coast.
0: Yeah, we'll take you to all the good places around here. And we've got a lot of the Portuguese influence right around here. Yes. So they take seafood and do things with it that
2: you never thought possible. Ooh. Oh, guys, I'm so hungry. I did not have Taco
1: Bell. We're literally (laughs) sitting in the number one fishing port in the entire U.S. and top five in the world. Oh, my gosh. Have have
0: you ever heard (laughs) of Mozambique? Yes. Yeah, well, you'll have to come here and have some shrimp Mozambique.
1: I prefer chicken mm. Mozambique.
0: That's because you don't eat seafood. I don't eat
1: seafood. I know.
0: But more for Amanda, so I'll that'll say, work out. I'll give you my right?
1: seafood. It's fine. We've, we've. Oh, I appreciate that. I forgot where I was. I think I was in Hawaii, and um, part of the meal, like at this hibachi place, is you get like these five or more like jumbo shrimp. And my boyfriend is allergic to shrimp, so I couldn't share with him. So everybody was, like, wanting to be my best friend at that point. Like, please just give me your shrimp. And I'm like, I don't ever really have anybody to share my shrimp with. I love, 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 like, clam chowder. And right up the street from where we're at right now has the best clam chowder on the South Coast. Was that Mike's? Yeah. Of course. You knew. So... I love the taste of it, but I hate the clams. So everybody that I'm with wants to come with me so that way I pick the clams out and put it in their bowl instead.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, I definitely want to go with
1: you. Okay. And and the best lobster bisque <laughs> around
0: is at Lindsay's. So I've heard that. We'll have to take you. When I so years ago, Amanda, I was um I was between jobs and so I was part of the um the I I forget what, what the actual group was that I was part of, like what the name of it was. But it was like the the Chamber of Commerce type thing for for Wareham. And uh, and they were the, the Wareham Village Association. That was it. And so and that's my town. So they had me, because I was, you know, out of work, they said, do you want to help out with our annual Christmas parade? And I was like, sure, I'll help out. And that turned into me running the entire parade by myself. So I'm scrambling to try to find, like, cool things to put into the parade. And I reach out to Lindsay's and I say, do you want to do anything with the parade thinking like, you know, do you want to just represent your business because you're part of this association? And they said, Oh yeah, yeah. We'll go down and we'll hand out samples of lobster bisque and clam chowder to people. (laughs) And I said, "What?" And so this parade, hundreds of people lie on the street, and they've got their people walking over and scooping out what was probably like a little two or three ounce bowl yep. of of chowder or lobster bisque to everybody along the way. And I was just amazed by the fact that they were they were giving all that away. And 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 uh, and of course, then I had to go make sure everybody threw those into the trash because right. again, I was the only person doing and, anything. So that's funny. But yeah, uh, but there's there's certainly. Um, uh, You know, many places around here that combine, you know, history, haunts, and food. One of them is literally a stone's throw from the uh, Conjuring House. Uh, I was going to say, when
1: are we mentioning this place? Yes,
0: uh, Tavern on Main. Tavern on the Main. That is one of the (laughs) most quintessential New England restaurants that you'll ever have. Yep. So good, so cheap, and so haunted.
2: I literally just wrote it down. I'm desperately, like, compiling a spooky bucket list. So once I'm able to leave my house again, like, I have dozens of places that I'm writing down right now. So, Kevin, on the Maine. You Done. definitely
1: need to hit, I don't know if it's haunted or not, but Mike's Restaurant in Fairhaven.
0: Well, what we'll do is we'll have her come here. We'll go to like Lizzie's yeah. or some place or Fearing Tavern go. or something, and we'll we'll eat at Mike's. Uh, and then, although if you're going to come to Fearing Tavern, we can swing by and have some Lindsay's lobster bisque first. Uh, and then Just come hungry. Yeah, and then we'll yeah. we'll try to get over. Like we'll go to the Conjuring House, and you yep. can go to Tavern on me. May- you want to go there on a Sunday because that's when they have their you know New England like three course meal deal for like fifteen mm-hmm. bucks. And, oh man, uh, I'm not kidding you, Amanda. They make the best homemade popovers that you've ever had. And you when you go into this restaurant, it's an old, creaky, wooden building. It used to be like, uh, it was what, the state house for, for Rhode Island. That's where they did all the state business in the early days. I think so. And it's just this old, creaky, wooden dining room. And when you go in there, they have like, uh, I think they have like a pot-bellied stove. You know, mm-hmm. like one of those old-fashioned stoves. And when you go over there, that's where they have a tureen of soup. And they have just baskets of these fresh, homemade, warm popovers, and then a variety of like butters and yep. and kind of like um, what's what's that stuff that you get in the Indian food, um, that you dip the Indian food into? I'm I blanking no on the name. Not curry. Uh, the stuff that you like put on like the bread and stuff, and you I know, it's like, like
1: oils and. It's like a like jelly. That. Yeah, I can't think of the oh, name. Of uh, it. Oh gosh, was it cut me
0: Chutney, yeah. They have a variety of, like, different chutneys and butters that you can put onto your popover, and it's all... Like, I come back with a plate with, like, a big popover Mm -hmm. on it and, like, all the little butters and chutneys to, like, put on it. And all their
1: t-shirts say, you know, a slogan about it being haunted.
0: Yes. It's so good. And they... I don't know if they still do it, but they used to do this thing where when they close for the season, Mm -hmm. they do a big seafood buffet.
1: Right. To just get rid of everything
0: that they have so that you can just go there and, like, 30 bucks. And there's a... (laughs) there's a restaurant not far from there it's not haunted at least as far as i know but it's like a hundred dollars or 110 dollars a person to go there mm-hmm. but it's a buffet that has like steaks and lobster and all that kind of stuff oh
1: i feel like that was on a tv show glory. the nordic lodge the nordic lodge yeah yeah
0: so yeah we, we know all the places around here that's for sure i, say,
2: I have to come out there by you guys
0: Yes. Oh, yes. absolutely, and 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 we'll make sure we take you out to all the cool haunted places that yes, you know. Your
1: excellent tour guides
0: aren't on all the lists. So, I mean, there's there's some places here where, you know, it, it's almost like a lot of them do have to rely on. I think Tavern on the Main, you know, has grazed the food there. They yep. really rely on the ghost story to be part of their business model. Yep. So it's a it's a little bit more. I think
1: when people friendly accept to some of that here. the ghosts, it's just a lot easier and better.
0: Absolutely. Uh, now, when we go out and we investigate, you know, as I was saying before, the snacks are key. Yes. But, you know, the pizza is great because when you have the pizza at, you know, 6 o'clock before the investigation starts, then when you take a break at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock, the pizza is nice and cold, and okay. you can go back and have a slice but, you know, the, the real key is what else you bring with you right? as part of it. Now, we have long, for a long, long time, we have been uh, Swedish Fish people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, Swedish Forever. Fish f- has to be part. And, and Jeff brought a lot of that into it because when Jeff would show up for Legend Trips events that we used to do with him, everybody used to bring him Swedish Fish. Yes. And all of his, you know, all of his, the Jeff Groupies, they call themselves, they would show up with, what's it, like a five pound bag or whatever? Sometimes, yeah. And so, you know, he'd be like, here, everybody have some. So that it became kind of our thing. And then other people would start bringing them to us, even when Jeff wasn't around. So Swedish fish are like always there when it comes to investigations. Then we had a group of people that came to our investigations that were, I forget how the cannoli came up. But they would start. I don't even know. I don't remember either. But they would just start bringing these cannoli from mm-hmm. their hometown. They would bring them to us at every event, no matter yes. where we went.
1: And they were all different kinds.
0: And not like a few cannolis, like dozens bunch. of cannolis. Yes. Oh my
1: gosh.
0: And and so that became part of it. Then and then they actually started a paranormal team that they called Team Cannoli. Yes. Uh. So like it it's it's because that's become a thing. But now we. Stephanie and I have a problem, uh, and, and I feel like we can admit this to you, Amanda. Uh, we, we have a, a very serious addiction problem to this candy that a friend of Stephanie, well, a friend of ours, introduced to Stephanie. Yes. And Stephanie told me about it, and I was like, it's candy. Like, eh.
1: whatever. Yeah, how good yeah. could
0: it be? And then when I went to go visit, they have an, an inn in Virginia. And when I went to visit back in October, uh, she gave me a little can of the candy, and now I'm addicted to it too. And it's called, uh, it's, have you ever heard of Red Rocker Candy? It's their rocking chair mix.
2: No. Uh,
0: it is, uh, the, I, I feel like it's derogatory to say it, but it's, it's crack. Yes. Like you just get that first taste of it, and that's it. It is basically, it's the most simplest thing in the world. It's like a, gra- it's graham cracker cereal. Um uh, like what pretzels and walnuts. Is it walnuts? No, it's almonds. 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 So it's those three things dipped into this like white candy shell. Kinda. It feels it like has the texture of white chocolate, but it's not chocolate.
1: It's like confectionate sugar.
0: And it's just amazing.
2: It reminds me of something growing up. My friend for her birthday would do something like that. She would get like Czech cereal. And it would be like a powdered sugar sort of thing, but she would put it in a garbage bag and like mix it all together. And she called it white trash. I stick with the derogatory <laughs> name.
1: I know there's other names for it too. And people try to make so it. I'm wondering but if, is, that's, if that's it. It's similar, but it's definitely like their own thing. Like you can't find anything like it anywhere else. And it
2: sounds amazing. And they won't, yeah, they won't
0: tell you what's in it. Like they give you the the right. you know the ingredients are listed on the label, but like they say on the website, like it's our own special yes. secret you know coating.
1: So the rocking chair mix is my favorite. There are other ones like they have like a lemon mix. They have like a like a coffee type. I wouldn't mix.
0: even try. I wouldn't even bother trying any of those.
1: They've definitely got them for me before, but I haven't liked them because I like the original. And you can definitely order it online and have it shipped. Cause I may or may not have shipped a five pound bag to myself once. <laughs> oh my <God. laughs>
0: And, and some for Christmas, some Midnight Society listeners sent me a can, and I've been being very judicious with it so that it'll last me, because I, I kind of tore through the first can. Uh, and, and, and literally, you will say, I'm only going to have, like, two or three of these, and then the next thing you know, the whole can's gone. Yeah. Okay,
2: rocking chair mix. I have to look this up and possibly order some, just to, to see if it's as a big thing to you say it I'm, is. I'm,
0: tr- I'm trying to get them to be on board for a sponsor, you know? Like... Right. Say so, you know. Let, let's give out a free can once a week to a listener, and uh, also send a whole case to me. You know, whatever it takes to <laughs> to get it done. But uh, I think that that's part of the you know, the the idea of kind of getting us into the mindset for investigation is that we we have some of these you know that have, that become kind of our. Um, you know, just part of our procedure. It's like part of getting ourselves ready to investigate is, you know, we're going to have some Swedish fish. I know with Stephanie, it's gummy bears. Yes. Is a big part of it for you. And they have to be, they can't be generic gu- gummy bears. No, they have to be Haribo, And they can't be a certain kind of, they all, they have to be a definitive kind of Haribo too, because I got the wrong ones one time.
1: Did you? I don't remember.
0: Oh. Well, I was going to, I, I was at Staples getting the waivers printed for all of our guests. Mm-hmm. And I sent you a screenshot because they were on sale and you're like, no, those aren't the ones.
1: That's funny. Cause I don't remember, but yes, I usually always have Swedish fish, gummy bears. And as of recently, I have had sour patch kids. Um, but I feel like I've, I'm off that kick now. Like it's like a once in a while type thing. So it just, it just depends.
0: So do you, do you have anything like that, Amanda, that you have to have either before or with you during an investigation?
2: So for me, I always have, like, the quote-unquote healthy snacks in my backpack just because they make me feel better to know that I have them there. However, I do always have a bag of Reese's Pieces with me, and that's what always gets eaten, not the healthy snacks. Yeah, Um, that's fair. So I always, I think, I I blame E.T., I think, for my love affair with Reese's Pieces. Um, So that's probably... I I haven't done an investigation without them, and so now I'm, like, so superstitious about it that I'm like, well, I have to have them because if I don't, then it's going to be a total bust of the night, and, you know, we're not going to get anything. It's going to be absolutely awful, so I have to have the Reese's Pieces, so I'm just kind of like a martyr for everyone in the group. Like, I'll eat the Reese's Pieces to make sure everything goes according to plan. It's fine. That's yeah, pleasure for
0: sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see that. Uh, I like to, uh, you know, I like to make sure that I have, uh, because we bring as part of the deal, we give people soda and water, all they can drink. You know, I buy like cases and cases of it so that, and there's a cooler full of it and they can just go and help themselves anytime during the night, which, um, you know, can get annoying when it comes to cleaning up at the end of the night and there's half drank water bottles everywhere. But yeah. uh, the, uh, the <laughs> that was the worst. The worst experience I ever had with that was when we were on the USS Salem and it was very warm and they didn't want people to bring the food or drinks out of the room. But because it was so warm, they let everybody bring the water bottles out. And then I just found water bottles in every crevice of that ship that you wouldn't expect to to find any water bottles in. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I always have to have is, uh, you know, whether I buy Pepsi or Coke, I always try to buy whatever's on sale, but I always will get Mountain Dew. Because, the Mountain Dew powers me through the investigation, mm-hmm. and then you know, we've we've experimented with getting coffee before. Uh, we've we've done hot chocolate before. You know, we've done all these different like types of drinks, and everybody's like, just go get the box of Joe from Dunkin' Donuts. Right. <laughs> so I actually have, I have like a restaurant, you know, eight burner coffee machine in my basement that uh, I may or may not have taken from one of my former restaurant jobs. But, like, I would bring that and have everything to make coffee, mm-hmm. and everybody would be like, just go get a box of Joe. I'm like, ugh. Oh. Like, it's so much easier to to just go and get that, but I was trying to give you something better than a box of Joe, which is Dunkin' Donuts coffee isn't great anyway, and We're it's in England, even yeah. worse than a cardboard box, but whatever. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you drink caffeine on an investigation? I know some people don't.
2: I I do. Um, I don't do it so like heavily. Like I have some friends that like they'll just constantly have a cup of coffee in their hands all throughout the night. Usually, what I'll do is I'll have like a cup of coffee beforehand. But I usually drink like half calf or decaf. Um, so like one cup. I've, right here we have Tim Hortons. We don't do Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and the, like a uh, medium size will like be enough for me to just kind of like. Be good for the night. I'm still, like, not, like, hyper or anything. I, like, totally got my wits about me. But when you mentioned Mountain Dew, I was just like, oh, my God. Because that was just something I think just ooh, ooh. Yeah, (laughs) usually I just do water and a little
0: bit of coffee. I I even buy, I'll even buy the original, you know, uh, the throwback with the real cane sugar instead of the high fructose corn syrup. But yeah, I mean, I'll only drink like two of them, but that will, you know, keep me going through the night Uh, because, you know, even though the event ends at like 1 a.m., I'm still cleaning up and doing everything else and driving home. I think the, the, the funniest night was we did the Mark Twain house, which is in Hartford, Connecticut, And it's like a two-hour drive from where we live, two-and-a-half-hour drive. And myself and Matt Costa were driving in my beat-up old Subaru. And we, like, I downed in the parking lot of the Mark Twain house. I downed two Mountain Dews because I was like, if we're driving at 2.30 in the morning and I've got to drive two-and-a-half hours, like, I'm just going to chug these two Mountain Dews. And I think we might have gotten maybe 25, 30 minutes out of Hartford and we were both, we were both asleep and I was driving.
2: Oh my gosh. Good we thing I we have a recollection
0: of me almost hitting somebody at one point because they jumped out in front of the car,
2: Jesus.
0: but then we don't remember anything else about the whole rest of that ride. So
2: oh my gosh,
0: Mountain Dew did not help that night.
1: Well, when it's a long drive like that, no, when you're exhausted, like, do you remember the drive all the way out to Winchenden mm-hmm. and that's like a three hour drive. And I remember something happened and you were like, well, I'm just going to go home with you because I don't have another ride, and that way at least you're not by yourself. And I was like, thank the Lord, because there's no amount of caffeine in the world that's going to keep me awake that long.
0: Right. Not that my stories are going to be either.
1: But they did. Thank God.
0: <laughs> so. we, we survived. It, it, but it, it, now I go to that, I make that trip, and it feels like nothing. Right. But, like, I can go out to, you know, the, the Berkshires in, in Western Mass. Oh, God. It's like a four-hour ride, it's but I've so done bad. it so much, I'm like, oh, this is great. This is nothing.
1: That was the worst drive ever for me.
0: Well, the... When we were stuck in the traffic, that was really bad. But the, you know, for the most part, it's not terrible.
1: I got stuck on the Mohawk Trail.
0: That's just terrible.
1: It's terrible. And I didn't know that it involved mountains and a hairpin turn. And I was literally, like, sweating in places that I didn't think was possible by the time I got there. I was like, I need... I need something. I need something to calm down. I need to not have to like jump into doing readings right now and do an investigation. I was shaking so bad. It was so crazy. So, and we had no cell phone service for like an hour.
0: Oh, I usually don't get any out there at all.
1: It was a wild ride. Like my
0: provider just isn't out there at all. The, I also think part (laughs) of the kind of the investigator mindset is like, you know, you were mentioning people that'll have a coffee in their hand all the time. It's like a natural thing for them to just go and buy, like, three or four monsters and mm-hmm. drink those throughout the course of the investigation. At least Stephanie used to bring the, the, the It Works ones that she has that are the, you know, healthier version of it. But for the most part, like, people are just chugging energy drinks the whole night.
1: Right. Or well, now I have coffee, so.
0: Yeah, you can do that too. 250
1: milligrams of natural caffeine, so. <laughs>
0: I don't know if you're an energy drink person at all, Amanda. No, I just the
2: thought of it like made my tongue go like, like there's just, ugh. I can't, I can't do energy drinks.
0: I remember when I did an event with, uh, I don't know if you remember Kristen Gartland when she was on Taps uh, on Ghost Hunters. Mm -hmm. But yeah. uh, she, was, she was running an event in Fall River, and, and, you know, we've been friends with her since, you know, way back. And so myself and Moniz went over there to do the event with her, and she sent us out to Dunkin' Donuts to pick up, you know, boxes of Joe. And we brought the coffee over, and there was maybe about 25, 30 people at this event. And she had us, we must have gone three times that night <laughs> to go pick up boxes of coffee. Like, you know, buying four or five boxes each time we went. But people just kept sucking it down. She'd be like, here, here's another 30 bucks. Go get more coffee. Here, go get more coffee. And thankfully, they were open 24 hours. Uh, and, the, you know, we were able to, to continuous, uh, keep a continuous stream of coffee going. But I couldn't believe, and these aren't paranormal investigators. These are just people that were Ghost Hunters fans that bought tickets. I couldn't believe, like, that people could drink that much coffee in the middle of the night.
2: So that's just going to like
0: screw you up for the next like week. Yeah. I mean, uh, my mom can't leave the house without stopping and getting a coffee. So like I've seen it happen. I've seen, you know, people that, that live on it and drink it. And, you know, it it eventually, I guess, doesn't affect you like that. But still, I can't imagine what it's like to, you know, go home and lay in bed and be you know kind of shaking and jittery trying to fall asleep and then and then they're like uh i think something followed me home because uh i couldn't fall asleep and uh I, just everything <laughs> no, was no, no. yeah everything was kind of making me jumpy the bed and was shaking yeah like yeah you brought something home all right you, you brought yeah. home you brought yeah, home emails, uh, yeah So, uh, you know, in in just the final few moments that we have here, I want to make sure that we give you enough time to let everybody know that, you know, not only do you write about this stuff on spookeats.com, but you've put out some books, too, as well.
2: Yeah, so um, I have five books out right now, um, three for adults and two for kids. Um, So the first book is The Haunted Atlas of Western New York. That's my very first book. It's probably my bestseller. Um, We actually just sold our 1,000 book of it or copy of it um so i was excited about that i was like well if i find a hundred people who wants to read it that would be great so i'm very happy with that um but that's basically a, a spooky travel guide to um western New york haunted locations um then while i've been in quarantine um, i wrote a bunch of books um so the first is the first book in the spirit guide series um that's america's haunted breweries distilleries and wineries um, so while I was pregnant, I thought it would be a good idea to write about alcohol because I was <laughs> going through withdrawal, I guess. I don't know. Um, that's a lot of fun. That's um, all throughout the country. So that's just not um, Western New York locations. Um, there's places all around um, the United States. And I'm currently working on the second book um, in the Spirit Guide series. Um, so, and that will be Haunted uh, Bars. Um, and then I also wrote the Ghost to Ghost Sight Theater, which was a fundraiser book. Um, for a local haunt um, in my hometown that's very near and dear to my heart. It's definitely like my, my home away from home. Um, and then I have two kids' books out, um, which is um, Creepy Books for Creepy Kids is what I call them. Um, so it's the encrypted ABC book and then Krampus's Great Big Book of Yuletide Monsters. Um, so those are the books that I have out. Um, they're all available on my website, um, so if you go to spookycom slash shops, can um, get them there. There's personalized, ones available, if you're interested. Um, and yeah, I, I love writing. Um, it's always been a dream of mine to write books, and I grew up writing you know novels and fiction, and I finally realized that there's a niche in the paranormal with you know hospitality. So why not start writing books and tour guides on that? And it's been it's been great. um, so I absolutely love it.
0: Well, uh, certainly everybody can go and visit spookeats.com and pick all that up. And hopefully you'll get to come out here where we are, Amanda, and hang out with us. And I know Stephanie and I are planning to get out to your neck of the woods. We want to plan something out in Lilydale. So if we get the chance oh, to go yeah. out there, we're, we're going to have to meet up and hang out and, and get you involved in that too.
2: Absolutely. I'll show you all the fun spots. We'll get we'll get chicken wings.
0: Uh, as long as you come with us to Lilydale and get some garlic soup. They're done. <laughs> uh, you'll love it. Uh, have you ever been?
2: I have. I've been there a couple times now. Um, I absolutely love it.
0: Have you had the garlic soup, though?
2: I have not. All right. I'm like, what the heck is that?
0: You won't get a cold for three years after having a bowl of this.
2: Sign me up. That sounds I was going to say. Sign me up right now. I just got over a sickness, so it's like,
0: me okay. Too. Uh, All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Amanda.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad i was able to come on tonight.
0: And keep us up to date with with the new project and and when that's released, and we'll make sure that we keep promoting it ahead of uh, International Women's Day.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much again, you guys.
0: Thank you. Take care. Have a great night. (laughs)
2: You too. Bye-bye.
0: All right, that is Amanda Woomer of Spook Eats. Again, spookeats.com is her website. If you want to go and check it out for yourself, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun, and it's one of those sites where you can go and read a few articles and then go back and then read a few articles. And uh, you can also kind of plan your own road trips around it. You know, take a look at some of the places she's visited and see if you want to go for them for yourself. So, speaking of road trips, yes, I messaged you during the show. You did. that. Where Are we going to go there? Where I'm going next week. Uh, if plans stay, you know, plans aren't solidified. But if they stay the way they're supposed to stay, I'm I'm heading to New York. And I will be an hour away from Amityville.
1: You went there.
0: And I'm thinking I have to go drive. I mean, I've been planning anyway that when my car is like 100% because I need some work done, that I want to drive down there anyway just to drive by the house. And there's been so many things Amityville that have been popping up. Lately in my life that I think, you know, the time has come that I have to do it.
1: The time has come.
0: If I'm going to be an hour away. Listen. I got to just go drive by and just see it. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to, you know, get myself in trouble because you're not supposed to stop. But I, you know, just take a drive by and just see it for myself with my own eyes.
1: This could be bad.
0: I mean, maybe I'll stop and try to run out and take a quick selfie.
1: This could be bad.
0: You know what's funny? Remember a couple of years ago on... April Fool's Day, when I said, uh, listen, everybody, uh, it's not an April Fool's joke. I've always wanted to have the chance to investigate the Amityville (laughs) house, and I've just gotten the call. I have to go, but it has to be today. Yes. And nobody believed me at first, and then I planned it out perfectly where, well, I didn't plan it out. I was just kind of making it up as I went along, but I was doing a Google Maps drive from my house to to the amityville house right and i kept like finding good spots and good sign markers to say all right I'm going to take a screenshot here and say that it's a photo that I took
1: people were so mad at you
0: and nobody ever thought to ask me to take a selfie like
1: I don't think like selfies weren't that popular then it's not like four They've, years ago I know but they weren't as as popular as well
0: I didn't know. take a lot then either so people probably just assumed that I wouldn't but it was it was funny because like a lot of people believed that there were a few people that didn't but a lot of people did. And, uh, and, and one of our regular listeners, Jody, just brought it up to me a couple of weeks ago. Like, she still remembers how I got her with that. So, yeah. I mean, if I do it this time, it's it's going to be for real. And uh, I, I don't know if I can be that close and not just do it.
1: You're probably going to need an exorcism when you get home.
0: Well, I also was mapping it because it came up in my in my head as Amanda was talking about the Death Seat Burger. And that's in Nutley, New Jersey. So I'm like, well, Nutley's an hour away from, it's about 39, 40 minutes from where I'm going to be. So I could like make a loop and go down to Amityville and then come back up and go through Nutley. I mean, it's not quite where I need to be, but.
1: This could get weird.
0: To go to the, to get a Death Seat Burger, it might be worth it. You don't think I should do it?
1: I think we should, you know, err on the side of caution.
0: Well, audience out there, uh, you know, let me know what you think. Tim, I'm sorry, uh, Spooky Crew at Send it to that address so Stephanie can see your answers too (laughs) and let us know what you think. But we won't be here next week. Uh, I may be in Amityville. At this time next week. Who knows?
1: You never know. Uh,
0: But uh, we'll be back the week after that, and I'll I'll let you know if I end up going there. Or you can follow me on social media, because I'm sure I'll post about it if I go. But until two weeks from now, everybody out there, have a great night, and stay spooktacular.